Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Oh, man, it is the Sweet 16, and nothing is sweeter. I am pumped up. Hope you guys made some money that last week. You know, the underdogs really did rule the day, or did they? I got a couple of uh, interesting numbers for you here. If you put $100 on every Moneyline underdog, you're actually up $1,200. Well, that sounds great. But that's with Fairleigh Dickinson, a 16 seed, upsetting a number one, and Princeton, a 15 seed, upsetting number two. So the, the, the underdog money lines didn't do as well as people really wanted to make them out to seem. Matter of fact, if you took money uh, the against the spread underdogs, you'd actually be down about $500. It's two games under 500 which means if you were to take in the overs, you're actually down about two or $300 because of the VIG. So we're hoping that those trends, um, you know, kind of correct and we can make some money. How about those unders, right? I mean, those unders hitting nearly 70%. I'll see if those, those last into this weekend. It should be a great weekend, a good matchup. I'm excited about all of them. Let's get right into it. So let's get into the games finally. Michigan State, Kansas State, 630 Eastern tip. This is on Thursday. Line is sitting here, Kansas State, uh, you know, depending on where you're looking, this is about a one, one and a half point spread. 137 and a half is the total. Look, Kansas State has really impressed, and they are coming from a conference that is a dynamic conference. And I think that we definitely have to take that into consideration. But I'm going to bash Kansas State here for a moment, and I don't want to just destroy them, but I am. Look, beating Montana State and the way that they beat them, I'm not overly impressed. So their big kind of impressive situation is against Kentucky. I, I don't know. I'm not impressed against Kentucky. I'm not. Kentucky's not the team that they once were. Kentucky wasn't that team this year. They just weren't. So you're talking about Kansas State. Yes, they're here, and you can't take away anything from somebody getting to the Sweet 16, but from a betting perspective, they beat Montana State and Kentucky to get here. Big whoop, right? They lost to TCU by 13. They lost to West Virginia. They lost their last two regular season games. Okay. Yes, you beat Oklahoma. Yes, you beat Oklahoma State. Both of them are non-NCAA tournament teams. Right? You did beat Baylor and Iowa State. But before that, you lost to Oklahoma and Texas Tech. As a matter of fact, you know, they lost, if if you're including the, the postseason here, they lost, you know, six of their last 11 games. So I'm not overly impressed with Kansas State. But I'm not overly impressed with Michigan State either. You can argue that Michigan State is the best player on the court. Okay, so that certainly is an advantage. And Tom Izzo is a great coach. I've bashed him at times, but these are the kind of teams when nobody expects it. These are the type of teams and these are the type of years that Tom Izzo goes on a run and everyone's like, whoa, wait a minute, what just happened to Tom Izzo? And 
in a weird spot, and I said this right after, I said this on the air, right after I saw the interview with Tom Izzo, he looks like he's having fun, right? When the interview was over, and he, he talked about, I couldn't break the clipboard, it's a different kind, and he was ragging on, uh, you know, uh, the announcers, and Tom Izzo looks like he's having fun, and that translates over into the team. So, Tom Izzo beat USC, a team that many people thought USC was going to win. Again, USC is not a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination. But it's better than Montana State to get here. And then they beat Marquette. And look, Shaka Smart's a disaster. He's a terrible coach. I've said it all along. I don't care. He's a bad coach. But they beat Marquette. So what's more impressive? Beating a Kentucky team that's down on the year, that was probably overseeded, or beating a number two Marquette that had a legitimate claim to number one. Yeah, the Marquette win is much more impressive. What's more impressive? Beating Montana State or beating USC? Beating USC. And then you go into how Michigan State kind of ended the season. Yes, they lost to Ohio State, but they had beaten them right before that, the game before that. So they went one and one there. You beat Nebraska, okay, and you beat Indiana. Sandwiched in the middle of that, you lost to Iowa. You lost to Iowa in overtime in, in one of those weird games. So they've been playing well, okay, uh, when, you, when you look at how they kind of finished the season. They had to play Ohio State. They, they beat Ohio State twice in a month and then lost the third time. I'm not taking that away from them. They had a bad loss at Michigan, and they had that bad loss in overtime against Iowa. Iowa's a tournament team, and they also played in overtime, and it was on the road. So, you know, I look at this and I go, I think Michigan State and Kansas State is a stay-away game for me. I don't think I'm going to be going anywhere near it. But if you're going with intangibles, yeah, I know everyone wants to run to Kansas State. They're in a better conference. Yes, check mark for them, better conference. And they're getting points. Getting points, but it's a point, so I'm not looking at that. K-State, better conference, yes. Michigan State, to me, the better coach. To me, the best player on the field, on the court. And to me, they also have had a tougher road to get here, not only into the tournament, but on the way to the tournament. So I lean Michigan State in this spot. Next up, we have UConn, Arkansas. And I'm telling you guys straight out, um, I liked UConn before the year. I liked UConn before the Big East tournament. I have UConn. I, I filled out three brackets this year. I was asked to put it be in three brackets, okay? I put UConn in one of my brackets. I have Texas in the other bracket. And I had UConn in, in the final four in every one of the brackets. I had UConn in the final game in two of my three brackets. So I, I am all over UConn, okay? Their minus four total is 140. I, I think UConn's the better team, all right? I will say this, though. MGM put this out this week. The most bet game is UConn. The most bet team is UConn right now. That scares me. The number's gone up from three to four, and I've even seen it hit four and a half in some spots. That scares me. UConn is a team that that really has gone and given me the look of a, of a championship team. And they did that coming down the stretch, right? You're through a big, big, a very tough Big East, and that's what UConn went through. Talk about it all you want, guys. We're sitting here in the Sweet 16. Xavier's here. UConn's here. Creighton's here. Marquette was the number two seed, right? So the Big East was dynamic, and I talked about that all year. They beat five teams to end off the regular season. Then they beat uh, Providence in the postseason, the Big East tournament, and they lost by two points to Marquette. They lost by two. Come out, you beat Iona, a team that people really did believe had a chance in this game. They squashed them by 24. Okay, absolutely squashed them. And the only reason that game was close is because they were two from 11 from three-point range in the first half, or else that, that might have been a 40-point win. Then they go out there and they beat St. Mary's. 
real good defensive team. So I own a top top offensive team, beat them, put up 87. St. Mary's, real good defensive team, beat them, put up 70, held them to 55. They are really gelling in all aspects. Arkansas, meanwhile, a good coach, right? I mean, you got to take take that and say, yes, very good coach. I hated the way they ended their season. And I'm not overly impressed with what they've done. I'm just not. Yes, beating Kansas is huge. They beat Kansas by one point. It shows intestinal fortitude. It shows that you go out there and beat a number one team. But I think that we all would say, hey, if Bill Self was on the sidelines in that game, they're not winning that game, right? I mean, they're not winning that game if Bill Self is there. So I'm not putting too much into that. Beating Illinois, ah, big whoop, right? Again, here we go. I'm not crazy about that. Ending their season, they lost three straight to Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Three straight to three teams. They gave up 88, 86, and 75 points. Then you go out, they beat Auburn in the first round, still gave up 73 and barely won by three points, and then they lost to Texas A&M. So coming into the tournament, they had lost three regular season games, Going in, oh, well, into the uh, SEC tournament, they lost three straight games. Going into the real tournament, they lost four of the last five, right? They've gone out there, they beat Illinois and a Bill Selfless, <laughs> that's pretty good, Bill Selfless Kansas team. I'm just not impressed with Arkansas. I'm not. I- I'm, I'm leaning UConn. I'm leaning UConn to score a lot of points. I-, I-, I actually think this 140 is probably looking like an over as well. And I'm an under player, and it's an under year. How about FAU Tennessee, the second most bet team and the second most money coming in on Tennessee here. Tennessee opened up as a five-point favorite. They're up to a six-point favorite against FAU. Total is 130.5. And this is all about can Tennessee continue to play bully ball? What they did against Duke was a masterclass on how to absolutely intimidate and frustrate and beat up on a team. The refs let them play. Okay, Tennessee was as physical as we've seen in a tournament in years. They beat up on a young Duke team. They leaned on them. It was like a boxer that just kept throwing body punches and body punches. You knew it was going to eventually come out, and that was Tennessee's style. They're missing their best defensive player. Doesn't matter. We're going to come out of here. We're going to come out of you a pure defense, and we are going to just beat people up. They held Duke to 52 points. They held Louisiana to 55 the game before that. Yeah, they can absolutely beat teams up. But that's if the refs allow it. I don't know if the refs are going to allow the the mugging that we saw and, and the physicality. Now, you have FAU. 33 wins now. Yeah, you can tell me that their schedule wasn't all that impressive. Oh, sure, you know. Uh, well, yeah, they, they come from a weird conference and this and that. Yeah, I get it all. But let's look at what they've done, you know, here at the end of the year. Because... The regular year doesn't matter. I look at the end of the year. Yeah, they rattled up four straight regular season wins, and they beat Western Kentucky, and they they humiliated them. They beat Middle Tennessee in a rebound game. UAB, they beat them by 22. Then they go in the first round, and they beat Memphis, a team in Memphis that people just watched beat Houston. I know, albeit without some players, but they beat Houston. They win that game. Then they take on FDU. FAU can play. I think Tennessee should be the favorites here. Okay, I'm fully on board with Tennessee being the favorite. If they're able to play their style, this could get ugly. I'm on board with Tennessee being the favorite in this spot. I get it. But I think with a tough defensive mindset and a team in Tennessee that tends to play close, tight games, the 5.5 might be a lot. Look, they beat Louisiana by three. By three, guys, right? So do you think that FAU could hang more than Louisiana? 
this could be one of those spots where Tennessee advances, Tennessee moves on in your bracket, Tennessee looks good, but they don't cover the increasingly large spread where, like I said, it opened up at five, it's up to six, and all this money's coming in on them. It wouldn't shock me to see this get to six and a half or so by nine o'clock on Thursday. I expect Tennessee to put up a good fight. It's all going to depend on the referees. Will the refs allow them to play the physicality that got them past Duke? Finally, we move to the last game of the day, which might be the best game, Gonzaga against UCLA. If the UCLA Bruins had their team fully intact in this game, and it spreads two, by the way, 145 and a half. If, if the UCLA Bruins had their team fully intact, 100% healthy in this spot, their best defensive player on the court and ready to go, if they had that, I don't think I could bet against UCLA. I've been down on the Pac-12, but I don't think I could bet against UCLA. I've said all along with this Gonzaga team that people are overlooking them. I said it before the tournament. Seems year after year after year, it was Gonzaga's going to do this, Gonzaga's going to do that, Gonzaga put them right through the Final Four, and they've come up short. And now this year, they didn't have that spectacular season in a lot of people's minds, although they had a very good year. They didn't have the defense, but their offense might be the best. And look, Drew Timmy's the best player on the, on the court. Uh, no offense to Jacques, but, but it's the truth, right? So I think people are underrating Gonzaga a little bit. But I've said it all along. Gonzaga can win with pure offense. Their offense is so good that they could win with pure offense. Now, would I have expected them to win with pure offense against a UCLA team that can be one of the best defensive teams in the league? No. I think I would be leaning UCLA in this spot had they been 100% healthy. But let's look at reality. And reality is very, very straightforward. They are missing their best defensive player. They're missing their best defensive player. And you're going up against the best offense in the country without your best defensive player. The mental aspect of it alone is going to be tough for UCLA. So I'm looking at this contest and I'm saying, you know, you you have to get out there and you have to say, are you going to run with Gonzaga? UCLA can run, can run with Gonzaga. If they turn around and they go, we're going to run. We're going to try to score 80, and I think we can hold them to 79. If UCLA wanted to do that, I think they can run with Gonzaga because Gonzaga's defense is so bad. But very few teams in the league want to get into a shootout with Gonzaga because they fear of what can happen. At the end of the game, Drew Timmy can take over. You can fear that. So for me, this is a game where I think we're going to see the loss of UCLA and their best defensive player just show up late in the game. Now, there's a very good chance that UCLA gets out, they run, and they just abuse this defense that is is Gonzaga. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. But I have to lean Gonzaga in this spot. I have to lean them because of what I know they can do. I am not convinced 100% that UCLA can run with this team and play some kind of semblance of defense. I think you're going to have to choose one or the other. I know for a fact Gonzaga could run with anybody in the league. I know for a fact Gonzaga's offense is going to work no matter what, right? So I'm going to go with the known commodity here. It's a tough game. It's a hard-fought game. It's a good, watchable game. But as far as betting, I'm not sure. I did tell you, though, before the tournament, I thought Gonzaga had some pretty decent odds. Even after they won the first round, they had decent odds to win it all. Sitting right now... Gonzaga still has pretty decent odds in the Sweet 16. If you think that they could go on a run and they could win it all, you can still grab a Gonzaga future and feel pretty good about it. All right, let's get into Friday's game, 6.30 start Eastern time. Like I said, Alabama-San Diego State. Uh, Look, I've been 
a proponent of being against Alabama all year long, right? I mean, this is a team that's hard to root for because of the Brandon Miller situation, but it's also hard not to look at him as the clear best player that's on the court by far, on any court, right? I mean, isn't he the best player in college basketball? I, I think that he probably is. And you look at Miller defensively, offensively, everything that he can do, but it's not just him. You know, his teammates are also really good. Obviously, Miller's going to be the story. What I've said time and time again about Alabama, Okay, and this line opened up at seven. Like I said, it's up to eight, eight and a half, over under 137. What I've said time and time again about Alabama is the Alabama Crimson Tide are not going to lose in this tournament because another team plays better than them. They're not going to lose in this tournament because another team schemes better than them. They're going to lose in this tournament if they get in their own heads. Now, we have the Brandon Miller fiasco outside this. Maybe that is cause of it, but no. I've also said that it's going to take a defensive team. It's going to take a defensive team to maybe not play that ridiculous elite defense and shut Alabama down, but make them make mistakes. And if Alabama starts questioning themselves and they start pointing fingers at each other, what will then happen? San Diego State is that type of team. San Diego State is a type of team that can frustrate you. I don't think San Diego State's going in here and holding Alabama to 55 points, right? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that. But San Diego State, for a stretch of four, five, six minutes, might make you question, well, you didn't make that outline pass. Well, you, you didn't go inside. Well, why'd you take that shot? Oh, that was a bad shot. Oh, it bounced off the rim. Well, you weren't there for the offensive rebound. And you could start the Alabama infighting. Alabama looks like a steamrolling type of team. They look like a team that cannot be slowed down. Forget about being stopped. I had them against Maryland. They humiliated Maryland, right? They humiliated. They won the last two games by 20-plus points. The last three going back, um, if you want to go back to the Texas A&M game. They are a machine. An absolute machine. But let's look at the teams that stopped them. Tennessee, that great, ridiculous defense in Tennessee, held them to 59 points in a win. Oklahoma put up 93 on them, but they also held them to under 70. That was, again, hostile environment, tough spot. Now, Gonzaga put up 100 earlier in the season, so you can get the offense going. But I think that the last two losses that you do see are those type of games. Now, you look at San Diego State. Maybe they don't have that ridiculous Virginia championship type of offense, uh, type of defense, but they certainly could stop you. My worry with San Diego State here is that if Alabama plays their game, they're going to lose. Look, San Diego State's going to lose. They're not going to be in this thing. Holding Furman to 52 and Charleston to 57, Utah State to 57, San Jose State to 49, those last four games. Oh, that's all impressive. Look at the names that I just threw out there, though. Look, look at the teams I just threw out there. When they went up against Ohio State earlier in the year, uh, yes, they won. Ohio State put up 77. They had to put up 88. It's not happening against Alabama. When they went up against Arizona earlier in the year, they let Arizona score 87. When they went up against Arkansas, yeah, I know it's overtime. They still let Arkansas score 78, right? So I worry about San Diego State. I think that they can be the type of team to, to win this game. They have the style that I think can frustrate Alabama. But San Diego State has also shown me when the level of competition goes up, their play has not really gone up with it. That could be a problem here. I think Alabama wins. I tend to think Alabama wins kind of going away here just because Alabama is so strong. But if there's a team and a style that can get into the Alabama Crimson Tide's heads and they can make them beat themselves, it could be the San Diego State Aztecs. The other dominant team that looks like they're kind of just cruising to a Final Four, which will be in their backyard, is Houston against Miami. Miami opens up as a 7.5-point underdog. 138 is the total. 
Again, shop around for that. Houston, we just gave out the player of the, 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 the tournament award, right? Three out of the top 10 are on Houston. They are a multifaceted team. They do need Marcus Sasser healthy, and they do need him to win a championship. But even if you, you give me him at 50%, I think they could beat this Miami team. Beating Auburn and the way that they did that with offense, pure offense, putting up 81 was impressive. They can also turn up the defense. Look, holding Auburn to 64 was good. Northern Kentucky to 52. Yeah, this is a defense-first team. You can see that by Cincinnati at 48, East Carolina at 46. We know Houston's about defense. But if they're getting the offense going like we, I see that, well, that's just absolutely fantastic. Miami, on the other hand, look, I haven't been convinced about Miami all year long. They're an ACC team in a year where the ACC was down. Right? I mean, they're an ACC team in a year that the ACC was down. So I'm not going to find many impressive wins on their, their docket here. Yeah, you beat Indiana. Did, what did I think in Indiana? I thought the Big Ten was worse than the ACC. So that's not a, a big win there for me. Put up 85 there. Now, they beat Drake. But how did they beat Drake? Drake was in full control of that game, shut down this Miami offense for most of that game. Drake lost the game with two minutes to go because Miami started to press, and Drake forgot like eighth grade basketball, don't run into the corner and, and make bad passes when you're in the press. So again, you know, you look at Miami and they want to live and die by their offense and their offense is very, very productive. But when they get into these battles with defensive teams like a Drake, they have shown to have all kinds of difficulties. I know they walked out of Drake with a win, but if you watch that game, they should not have. Here comes Houston, that great defense. Find me that great Miami win, right? Go ahead. Find me that great Miami win, uh, you know, all year long. Where is it? Is it against Providence? I mean, is that their great Miami win early in the season? Oh, they followed that up by losing to Maryland. Okay. Is your great Miami win uh, against, you know, Cornell? No. Okay, so then you get into conference. Is a great Miami win at home by two to Virginia in December? It's not a great Miami win because the Big East is just not a great team. Right? They lost to Duke on the road. They lost to Pitt on the road. They came back and they beat Duke. They beat Duke, and they, they, they destroyed Duke. They beat Duke at home, putting up 81 points. All right, I guess that's their signature win. But now what we know with this Duke team, was it really their signature win? Don't tell me going to North Carolina was a, a, a signature win. They don't have a signature win. They just don't have it. And I know Pitt was a decent team, but winning by two in the last day of the year, you know, that's not that's not a win. That's not the signature win. Barely getting by Wake Forest in the AC tournament. Not a signature win. Then Duke, by the way, exacted revenge on them. So I don't have them play with a significant win. Losing to Duke, barely beating Drake in a game that you were beaten up on, and then beating Indiana doesn't impress me. Here's another situation where I don't want to take Houston. I don't think Houston has the pedigree for a championship team. I was betting against Houston uh, in, in big spots a couple of times this year. It's not that I don't like Houston. I just think they're overbought. In this spot, though, I have a hard time making a legitimate claim for Miami. The only way that Miami wins this game is if they get red hot from the field. They turn around. They absolutely explode for like 80 points, right? And, and this is a shootout, and Houston gets into a shootout. Miami defensively can't contain Houston. And Houston defensively can contain Miami. It's going to be the difference in this game. Princeton and Creighton is up next. And the biggest line of the weekend, a 10-point line for Creighton. Princeton getting the 10 over under is 140. Look, Creighton is sitting here in this position. And I have talked about Creighton before the year. 
And I thought that Creighton had a chance. We did the preview show here. And I thought that Creighton had a chance to win the championship. I was all in on the Creighton team. Because, look, I look in the preseason. I looked at the players coming back. I looked at the situation they had. looked at their skill set. And I said, yeah, Creighton is just more talented than everybody else. And, and, and I do think that they are a team that was coming from a very good conference that, you know, they're going to go through the battle test. And I like the battle tested. Nothing has changed. This is a team that didn't win and didn't even come in second in the Big East during the regular season. Yet they had three of their five players before first team All-American. Four of their starters were All-Americans on the first two teams, right? Two of their players right now are in the top 10, as we talked about earlier, to win tournament MVP. They are a massively talented team. And people go, well, what went wrong? Look, they won 23 games. I I don't know if a lot went wrong. They won 23 games. They beat Texas Tech out of conference. They beat Arkansas out of conference. They went to Arizona and lost by two. They lost a a five-point game at Texas. They played a tough out-of-conference schedule. And then they got into conference, and they went through their stretch where they looked really good. Right Now, remember, they dealt with a couple of injuries and stuff, but they went through a stretch where they looked really good, but they couldn't beat the elite teams in the conference. You know, they lost to Marquette in Marquette. They lost to UConn on the road. They lost to Xavier on the road. Those look like rough losses, but wait a minute. All three of those teams, right, made the tournament – Two of them are still alive. And you go, well, when they got home, they exacted revenge on Xavier, right? When they got home, they exacted revenge on UConn. They they just couldn't exact that revenge on Marquette. And I've talked about this game multiple times. That was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. They lost by two, and they should have won the game. I, I, even even my my people I know from Marquette, my Marquette fan fandom people, are going, yeah, we should have lost that game. So you should have should have won that. So. They, they should have exacted all three of their revenges from their quote-unquote bad losses. They end off the year with two straight regular season wins against two garbage teams, but still impressive performances, putting up 99 and 84 points. They put up 87 on a Villanova team in the Big East tournament that is supposed to be known for their defense. And then they met a red-hot Xavier team, who, oh, by the way, that was looked at as a bad loss. Oh, by the way, Xavier's red-hot. Xavier's red-hot, and they're still alive. They go out there, they handle NC State relatively easy. They go out there, they put up 85 on Baylor. Creighton is the real deal. But it is a double-digit spread. And I do believe in the Ivy League, on the Ivy League, uh, you know, all about the Ivy League, uh, talking about Princeton. I said it before, and I'll say it again about this Princeton Tiger team. Princeton was not the best team in the Ivy Leagues this year. They may not have been the second-best team in the Ivy Leagues this year. But I thought that they could have a good tournament. Now, I didn't think they were going to win game one as a 15-2, to two, but I said, yeah, listen, this is this is going to be a single-digit loss, if anything. They're going to play close. They, they wound up blowing out even my expectations. Princeton's a real good team. Princeton is hot at the right moment. And that confidence, they are cleaning up on the offensive glass. Like, I haven't watched them all year, and I've watched every game all year, right? They Their confidence level is outstanding right now. And you go back and you go, wait a minute, where— where did this begin, really? Look, they lost to Yale in overtime in a game that they should have won. But that would have been four straight wins coming into the postseason. They went to Harvard and Cambridge when Harvard was was just, their backs against the wall in a must-win spot, they won that. They went up against a Penn team that had won eight straight games leading into the final game. They won that. 
Then they beat Penn in the first round of the Ivy League tournament. Yale in the next round. Yale, who everybody had going through. Beat up on Arizona, even though Arizona looked like they kind of beat themselves. And then handled Missouri without a problem. It's hard to bet against this Princeton team. The way they clean up on the offensive glass makes it really hard to bet against this team. But again, I just went crazy about Creighton and told you just how good Creighton can be. I think Creighton wins the game. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if Princeton keeps this miracle run going because of how they can get those second-chance shots. Finally, the last game is going to go off on Friday. Texas Xavier. Texas is a four-point favorite here. Xavier's been red hot, and I've said that a couple of times during the show. Xavier is is absolutely on fire right now. There's just no other way to look at this, right? I mean, it is it is Xavier just rolling, doing the things that I think that we all thought Xavier could do seemingly year after year, and they always came up short. Um, you look at how they ended the regular season, three regular season wins, again, against all teams that they should have won, but three regular season wins. Takes care of DePaul. Takes care of Creighton with ease. They won 82-60 to against Creighton. Then they lose to Marquette. No shame in that. Kennesaw State wasn't a real test. They, they, they beat them. Again, a little tougher than I think people thought. Pitt, go out there, put up 84. Their offense is just fantastic. Their offense, think about this. Their offense, um, in their, their, their three wins at the end of the regular season, 82-94-78. Get into the Big East tournament, 89-82. Kennesaw State, 72. Pittsburgh, 84. Marquette shut them down, though, right? Marquette held them, good defense in Marquette, to 51. Villanova, good defense, held them to 63. Marquette also held them to 68 before that. Creighton held them to 67. In their losses, their offense just doesn't work. And now here comes Texas. Texas is the hottest team to me coming into the tournament only because they were able to beat Kansas there. Now you take care of Oklahoma State, TCU, and then you take care of Kansas again in the Big Ten tournament taking on and beating up Colgate in a year where I thought Colgate was good, but let's be honest, beating up on Colgate is not going to turn anybody's attention. And everybody loved Penn State because they're hot shooting, but look, they come from the Big Ten, and it was a five-point win. So both of these teams are hot, but both of them really haven't had a test from a major team that I'm all sitting back and going, oh, wow, that that's tremendous. Look, Texas lost to Baylor and TCU coming into the, the season. Why? Uh, into the, uh, the postseason. Why? They gave up 81 and 75 points, 74 to Texas Tech, 88 to Kansas, 82 to Tennessee. Teams that can score a lot are, are going to win. So here's the thing. Texas is saying to themselves, we cannot get into a shootout. If we get into a shootout, we're going to lose the game. I mean, it's just that simple. It is a complete and utter difference in mentality. Texas knows if they get into a shootout, chances are they're probably going to lose the game against Xavier. Xavier is a real good offensive team. They're going to be able to run the floor. And the problems that Texas has had this year has been when teams sped them up and got them into a position where their defense just crumbled and they were able to put up massive points. Xavier wants to run. Xavier's saying, I want to make this a fast game. I want to score. Let, let's just go on a scoring spree. That's what we're looking at. But in the same vein, the other side of this is that Texas knows, well, when Xavier's had problems, it's been pure defense. The other team has held them down completely. We've watched Xavier have major problems defensively quite a few times this year. So so the philosophy is we're going to slow this game down. Slow it down to a crawl. I want this game to be played in the 60s. If this game is played into the 60s, Texas wins. If this game is played into the 80s, most likely Xavier wins. So whose style is going to be uh, the question here. I think Texas should be a four-point favorite. But as much as I like Texas, and I thought they had a chance to win this all, 
let's not act, guys. Let's not sit back and act like we are 100% sure that Texas is going to be able to dictate the pace. Xavier's been hot shooting. Xavier's been routinely getting into the 80s. I don't think that Texas can keep pace if they get into the 80s. I don't think so. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me. Make sure you guys enjoy the weekend. Bet responsibly because we have uh, Saturday, Sunday as well. So it's not just the Sweet 16. It's going into the Elite Eight. I'll be back next week. Have a very good weekend, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.